Please join with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to this day, to this night, mindful of the journey that we have taken through this Lenten season. And now we arrive in the upper room where Jesus gathers in an intimate way with his disciples and teaches and gives and serves. Be with us this evening as we, as we ponder the word and the events of so long ago and yet so relevant to our lives today. Be with us today and tomorrow on the Holy Saturday and on the day of resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight begins a tradition in the church that goes back many centuries of essentially a worship service that runs continually from Thursday evening until Sunday morning. Of course, we no longer do the whole thing, but we have a taste of that because you heard the invocation earlier this evening but tonight you will hear no benediction, and tomorrow no invocation, as a reminder that tomorrow's service is simply a continuation of tonight's. Monday, Thursday, Jesus finds himself in an upper room in Jerusalem, a, a room typically built uh, above a house, uh, one large room where families could gather. Uh, they liked to go there in the summertime where it was a little uh, uh, cooler as they could catch the breezes coming. And Jesus is gathered there going up those outside steps with his disciples to celebrate the Passover. We've been visiting the places that Jesus' footsteps tread during the season of Lent, and now we're down to essentially the last three places. We have the empty tomb on the day of resurrection. We have Golgotha tomorrow on Good Friday. And we have the upper room this evening. When you think about it, it is in this upper room that some of the most important events of our Christian faith take place. This evening, in this upper room, Jesus, as is the custom, washes the feet of his disciples, a task that didn't belong to him, but to the youngest of the household or of the gathering. And yet Jesus takes it upon himself to wash the dirty, filthy, um, encrusted feet, if you will, of his disciples who have journeyed along the road to get to this place. 
He wraps that towel around his waist and he washes all of their feet. How uncomfortable the disciples must have been to have the master washing their feet. Peter echoes that a little bit. Lord, don't wash my feet. Jesus says to him, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And Peter, being, being Peter, comes back with, well, then wash all of me, Lord. The feet are enough, Peter. And when he finishes, he, he says to his disciples, do you understand what I did? I'm sure they're looking around going, not really. You see, as I have done this to you, you should, you should do it for others. For, for by this all men will know that you are my, my disciples. By how you love one another. What does Jesus teach us? with those very words. That it's not so much what we know that's important for sharing our faith. It's important for what we do. To serve others. To meet the needs of people in our world. To give of ourselves, our time, our talent our treasures, and yes, our testimony. But to give it in such a way that we impact the lives of people, not just merely with words, but with the gospel in action, with Jesus washing feet. It, it's after this foot washing that they, they gather for the meal of the Passover. That Passover meal, which by the time of Jesus and his disciples has already been celebrated almost 1,500 years. And in the heart of that meal, Jesus takes the bread. And he breaks it. And as he distributes that bread to his disciples, he, he says words that they don't expect to hear. They expect to hear the traditional Passover words, the words that they've been taught since they were children. But he says, this is my body, broken for you. In the midst of that evening, in that passing of the bread, in that breaking of the bread, and perhaps even the dipping of that bread into one of the condiments that they had for the Passover celebration, as our text reminds us, Jesus tells them, one of you is going to betray me. They're all wondering, and we talked about this a little bit last Sunday. They're all wondering, is it I? Is it I? And it comes down to Judas, whom we know 
betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And somewhere in the course of this meal, he leaves to finish setting up that betrayal. 'Toward the end of that meal, he takes the cup of thanksgiving, and we know it's that cup of thanksgiving because it says he gives thanks. The cup of thanksgiving in that Passover meal, when again the disciples expect to hear the traditional words, and Jesus says, take and drink. This cup is my blood of the new covenant. Shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This new covenant, the shedding of Jesus' blood, the, the gift of his body, a meal which we have been celebrating for 2,000 years, central to the heart of who we are as Christians, a reminder for us each and every time we celebrate that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and your sins and for the sins of the whole world. It is the one place when we gather together to celebrate that we actually come, if you will, face to face with Christ. For his body touches our lips and his blood quenches our thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In this meal, Christ feeds us with his own body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And he reminds us of that new command that he gave to his disciples and to us to love one another, even as he has loved us. That's where we get the name for this evening, a mandate, a command to love. It is this evening where after the meal, Jesus walks with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. We've talked about it before in this season of Lent, but it's a reminder also that in this evening, he teaches us how important it is to pray. To pray at times in our lives when we are, are hurting, when we are in a difficult circumstance or situation, when we're afraid of what's going to come, when we don't want to face it. Father, I don't want to go through this. Take this cup from me.
And yet those wonderful words of a heart of submitting to the will of the Father. Again, teaching us how important it is to seek God's will and not our own. Yet not my will but thine be done. We pray it all the time in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A reminder of how important it is as disciples of Jesus Christ to seek God's will for our own lives. And sometimes that means setting aside our own desires and wants to follow him. And the path is not always easy. It's challenging and daunting. And yet, it's what God calls us to do. That evening we know that the one who left the upper room earlier for 30 pieces of silver betrays Jesus with a kiss. A kiss normally reserved for a greeting of peace, shalom, kissing on the right and the left cheeks. This kiss of peace betrays Jesus into the hands of sinful men to the guards of the chief priests in the temple. A reminder that we too sometimes, even though we don't mean it, betray Jesus. We reflect on that. We reflect on the gifts of Christ in this upper room. That gift of modeling servanthood, the gift of his body and his blood, the reminder to love one another, really above all things, to love and to be committed to a life of following the Father's will and, and a life of prayer. This path unfolds this evening to a place that's not very pleasant for our Lord. For this evening ends with our Lord on trial before the Sanhedrin. On trial before false witnesses and those who testify against him. On trial for his very life. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand as you are able and to join with me in confessing our common Christian faith in the ancient words of the, of the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> 